people end up using scripture to abuse other people. A Christian abuser doesn't exist. Were you abused by someone with narcissistic traits or that used Christianity, religion, God, anything like that in the relationship to manipulate you, to abuse you, to continue on the perpetuation of abuse that happened in the relationship time and time and time again? There's a lot of times of people that talk to us in one-on-ones and in meetings and things like that that mention, hey, the person in my life, the narcissist, the toxic person, they said they were a Christian and this is what they did to me. They said they were this and this is how they exemplify that. They said they belonged to this religion, but then how they actually came out and produced that outworking was really, really abusive. He said a lot of times people get confused and a lot of times there's a lot of manipulation that happens inside religion, inside churches, inside Christianity as a whole that is very, very abusive. And oftentimes, it's enabling that. Oftentimes, it's something that people are like, wait a second, I thought this was right, or I thought this was what I was supposed to do based on what they told me, or based on what they read to me, or whatever it might be. But a lot of times, that's someone that's just abusive, that's using something else to manipulate you. If you guys are new here, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm a self-aware narcissist on this channel to provide awareness, growth, healing, and change. We do that on all different platforms, and we try to be able to do it to provide small nuggets of truth to help you on your journey of understanding what narcissism is, what to look out for, and some of the signs along the way, and to help that healing process. If you don't follow already, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, check us out on all those. We're under Raw Motivations, so check that out. If you're driving and want to listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just type in Raw Motivations. You can find us right there. We'd love to have you join and be a part of that growth as we try to help people understand that that awareness, growth, healing, and change. If you want to be a part of a community of like-minded people that is growing, that is helping people on a day-to-day basis with encouragement, with accountability, with courses, with weekly lives and monthly coaching calls, with engagement to help you keep leveling up and moving forward in your life so that you're no longer stuck in the abuse, stuck in the crazy aspect, the crazy making, you're getting clarity, then I invite you to join us on the NARC app. Just type in N-A-R-C-A-P-P, narcapp.com, narcapp.com. It stands for Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Community. It's a community of like-minded people to help you in that healing journey because you need support. You need someone who's going to come alongside you and help you along that way. There's a lot of people inside the app that have started to develop friendships, that have started to interact, that have started to help each other across the globe to continue that growth, healing, and change. So check that out at narcapp.com. I've had a couple people that have asked over a period of time of like, when are we going to hear from the wife? Like, what, what's her perspective on all this? Like, what's actually going on on her side? Well, excited to be able to say that we've been working on doing a podcast together. And if you haven't had a chance to be able to look at it, it's under Trauma, Drama, in Life. Trauma, Drama, and Life is the name of the new podcast where myself and my wife, Kayla, we sit down and we talk for 15, 20 minutes going through sometimes the questions that you send in, uh, the different things that you guys have said, hey, this is what we want to be able to hear, but then also just giving you sometimes a slice into a little aspect about our life. Anyways, I want to dive in from my initial statement that Christian, a Christian abuser does not exist. Well, 
it was it was brought up to uh, recently, um, very recently. We actually had a workshop here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We did an in-person workshop with myself, mental healness, four-hour event. We had several people that showed up and kind of went through a lot of stuff that we were trying to help people heal, grow, and change. And someone walked up to me after the workshop, and they were like, thank you for putting this on because it not only just helps me grow, but it also reminds me that I'm not crazy and that this stuff is actually real that this stuff actually happens because it's so easy to feel isolated everywhere else. And it got me to thinking too, because a lot of times you have people that talk about like narcissistic abuse isn't real, or they say like, hey, like that's not actually something you're dealing with, especially even when you get into different types of religion and Christianity, a lot of times they'll they'll play down that stuff, that it's not that big. But I was, it was came up several times in the workshop and actually some of our question and answer time towards the end had a lot of questions dealing with religion. And dealing with like the massive amounts of judgment that people get from religion when they come out and they say, hey, like I'm dealing with narcissistic abuse or hey, I'm dealing with someone who has a mental disorder. or Hey, I'm getting abused. And a lot of times churches, pastors, clergy, like a lot of times different people just kind of sweeping on the rug. Let's, let's not talk about it. You know, let's, let's make sure, you know, that, that that's not something we bring up. A lot of times religion and the church wants to keep everything behind a mask, a mask of perfection, a mask of, hey, we're doing it the right way, a mask of this is how you have to look, this is how you have to be in order to be a Christian, in order to conform to that religion, in order to be acceptable in those doors. A lot of times you see narcissism that's in the church, that's in religion. A lot of times you have leaders you have people in the church, in Christianity, in religion that are narcissists. And as a result, they're very, very much so abusers that are hidden underneath the surface under the guise of Christianity, under the guise of being a good person. Well, I wanted to kind of show you this book. We brought it up a while back, but it's been a little bit. It's called When Narcissism Comes to Church by Chuck DeGroat. And it dives into a lot of different things of like where you actually see a lot of narcissistic behavior in the church. And I wanted to show you something in particular. He he goes through and he's actually going through different things where he's interviewing and, and helping to find and like taking care of some stuff as far as like how does this person actually match up with, with narcissism, with, you know, are they able to actually go out and lead churches, things like that. Like he's trying to actually like help with some of that. And he actually has this story that's in here that I want to be able to share with you. They looked as if they were cut out to be an advertisement. A Ken and Barbie type couple whose tan complexions, bright smiles, and flirty disposition made me wonder if I was being set up. I was a young therapist, engaged in my first set of church planner assessments, and I was suspicious enough to think that the experience assessment team might toss in a couple of actors just to test out the new kid. Zach and Andrea had introduced me as shoo-ins for the assessment. Zach had raised over $150,000 in just a few months, and their church plant was primed for a launch in just a few weeks. I sensed that the testing I was doing was just a formality, that with a wink and a nod, we'd push them right through. After all, their sending church was one of the largest Presbyterian churches in the South, and it was a key supporter of the church planning center I was hired to consult for. I was anxious, not just because I was a rookie, but also because I smelled a foul odor. Zach and Andrea took all the standard assessments, followed by their one-on-one appointments with me. Zach came in first, tall, lean, and filled the room with his charm and swagger. He was 27-year-old, a kid, but the darling of the church planning world. So what do I need to work on, Doc? He asked. 
I wasn't yes finished with my doctoral degree, and I sensed his move to ingratiate himself with me. He wanted to appear compliant, but I had some hard news to deliver. Trouble elevations on his psychopath psychopathology assessment, along with disconcerting responses from Andrea, raised the real possibility that I would not be able to prove them. I was anxious. If I delivered the bad news, I was likely to lose my good standing with the assessors and others who believed him to be a rising star. If I didn't, I'd forfeit my own integrity. The next hour was brutal. I felt like I was at war. Zach began with a false sense of compliance, pretending to be curious, to listen, to acknowledge the aspects of the findings. I said, Zach, your elevations on the narcissistic spectrum are significant, and I... He interrupted. Looks like I've got some work to do in between raising money and raising leaders, Doc. He'd repeat this pattern of interruptions, quick to explain or defend. He did not seem curious and showed no humility. I sensed that he saw our exercise as an obligatory one. I sensed an entitlement that concerned me. And we turned our attention to the marriage. He anticipated Andrea's response. She was pretty tough on me, I suspect, he said, shaking his head in disgust and pity. Can I be honest with you, Doc? I'm really worried about her. She bucks my authority, and we know as guys how that can be, don't we? I was stunned by his presumption. My biggest concern now was for Andrea. She had been playing a part, and now that she'd privately waved the red flag, her desperate attempt to get the young assessor to notice, Zach's beautiful wife was no longer willing to be his Barbie doll, his puppet on a string, his teddy bear to be cuddled at one moment and tossed out the next. She literally sat She sat literally feet outside the room waiting for her verdict, either validation or dismissal. I felt the pressure. Zach did too. He raised money, received endorsements, and was seen by many as the next big thing. He'd go on to the center city, emulating successful strategies of other city pastors and starting the church. I suspect that he saw more in his future, too, a book deal, speaking engagements, maybe the keynote for a church planner in 10 years. But his face was now red, a raging red that accompanied an intimidating glare. I hadn't gone in to expose him, only to be curious, to draw him out and to see if the testing matched my experiences of him. To my chagrin, it did, and now I, I was now walking on eggshells, anticipating his rage. Tell me as honestly as you can, is there anything at all troubling from your perspective about your treatment of your wife, I said. Expect, I expected nothing, but he volunteered some things. Doc, I can be harsh, but for her sake, he said, she's lazy, and she needs to understand how vital our work is for the kingdom. It's her self-focus that hacks me off. She needs to be mission-focused. I am the ball. My anger is for her edification. I paused, silently considering my final words. After a moment, I said, Zach, this interview is by no means a deal breaker. I don't have that power, but it is a major speed bump. I need to meet with Andrea, and then we'll see from some time together to consider the next steps. But my testing in this interview gives me significant pause. I cannot recommend you at this time. The room was silent. 30 seconds. One minute. Zach's head was down. I said, it's time, Zach. We'll talk more later. He looked up, gazing as intensely as I'd ever experienced another man's angry glare. It's her word against mine. After all, there's no bruises, he said. You see, a lot of times there is narcissism in the church. Narcissism with pastors, narcissism with church planners, narcissism with, with, with deacons, with parishioners, everybody. And there's an aspect that we see narcissism in a lot of different lives. And we'll touch on that in the video uh, later today about the spectrum of narcissism. The problem is when we get into scripture, when we get into the church and religion and things like that, people end up using scripture to abuse other people. 
of saying, hey, you have to comply in this way. You have to be this way because this is what it says. And they'll twist things so that it makes you comply to their wishes and their desires. A lot of times you'll see in the churches, you'll see scripture used to justify the abuse to justify the desire, to justify the coercion, to justify the things that are happening in the marriage, in the relationship, in the church that are not right. A lot of times religion and churches and pastors enable the abuse because they don't actually stand up and give credence to what's actually happening. Maybe it's because they're looking the other way. Maybe it's because they're like, no, like they can't be that bad. You see, a Christian abuser is just an abuser. Because they can't say they're a Christian by not demonstrating it. On my channel, when we talk about narcissism, when we talk about like, did the narcissist love me? I, I say, like, you can't just say, hey, they love you, but then you don't have any facts. You don't have any demonstration of it. And you can't have someone that says, hey, I'm a Christian, but then they don't demonstrate that by how they're abusing, by how they're acting. Those things don't match up. If someone's not living kind, loving, respectful, engaging, like all these different things, they, they can't just say, oh, like I'm a good person. They can't say that if they don't have a pattern of changed behavior. We say that with apologies. An apology without changed behavior is just manipulation. The thing I want you to understand today, and this is why it goes back to, the, to me saying like, hey, a Christian abuser does not exist because a person can't come out and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm religious. I'm all this. I, I, I can't say, hey, I'm a Christian and then continue doing the things that I've been doing that are anti-Christian. A person cannot say that they've been impacted by the God of the universe and not walk away changed. If they don't walk away changed, then as a result, they're still living in the same exact stuff that they've always lived in, and therefore they can't attach a label that they're not exemplifying. It's known by what a person demonstrates and how a person's actions and behaviors and patterns show up on a consistent day-to-day -day basis. Do I think there's people out there that use Christianity, that use religion, that use scripture to manipulate and abuse? Absolutely. But I don't think those people have the right to say that they're Christians.